0: You're listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Dave Tamkin, percussive, acoustic, singer-songwriter, and podcast co-host of Musicians Tip Jar. I spoke with Dave in his home in Boulder. His space was a perfect representation of his warm and welcoming personality on and off the stage. We discussed ways musicians can create out of the starving artist mindset the complexities of booking live music, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Dave Tamkin. You are tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I am here today with Dave Tampkin. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Lily, in so, my own home. I appreciate it.
0: It's a pleasure. For those of you listening <laughs> at home, there's cookies and tea and two of the cutest puppies I've ever seen, so it's truly, truly my pleasure. <laughs> How is music for you lately? The last time I saw you was at the Boulder International Film Festival's Singer-Songwriter Showcase. Yes,
1: you were very busy that night. You had a whole yeah. night of performers that you were in charge of.
0: Yeah, it's really fun to see the local community come out, and I was so impressed by all of the performances, but yours especially. Let's. That's nice.
1: <laughs> I will not tell the other performers you said that. Yeah, we'll we're, I don't have a favorite, us. but the favorite is Dave, Dave, <laughs>
0: Dave Um What is the history of your musical journey?
1: Uh it's uh, it's been going on for quite quite a while. I guess uh if I started out in Chicago, um I studied music at DePaul University in Chicago and then I moved out here in Colorado to Denver in 2008 and between I'd say college in Colorado, I was touring the country for a living for about 8 to 9 years it was music every day, all the time. And then when I moved out here, it kind of slowed down a little bit. As far as touring, I did it just in specific months out of the year. I've been fortunate to play with some awesome musicians that I also call some of my best friends. And I started a life here in Colorado with my wife, Anne, which uh, I love. I love it out here. It's beautiful. So I guess that's Without saying I started playing guitar when I was 10, <laughs> that's the short answer.
0: Well, I mean, did you always want to play music?
1: I would say yes. I would say from 10, first time I saw Chuck Berry and like the Duck Walk and uh, Keith Richards, yes, I wanted to play guitar. I wanted, I don't think songwriting started until I got older, probably 16, 15, somewhere around there. But I mean, I was into metal. After Chuck Berry, a lot of Pantera, Sepultura, Deicide, Morbid Corpses, moved on to Rush, Police, um, Primus. And then once I heard Told the Wet Sprocket and Glenn Phillips, I was just like, this album, Fear, is awesome. And all the songs were so different, I just wanted... To do that i wanted to write songs of like different genres and have different meanings and it was all over the place i, I loved it so did that answer the question
0: i think so okay yeah right. you're doing great thanks <laughs> what was the process like for you starting to ring and how has that evolved for you now as you've gotten older
1: uh writing is st- the Always starts, I guess, writing a song for me always starts with lyrics. It's uh, I loved poetry in high school and college, and from there, I I look at it as just writing a letter to myself in a way or to someone else that I want to paint this picture. The picture has changed over the years, for sure. Uh, definitely in Chicago was more of a lively scene, being younger and jumping around stage. I guess I probably wasn't paying attention to that story as much as I did when I moved to Colorado. The audiences, or at least the audiences that I started playing to out here, they were like, you can hear a pin drop in the room. And the my voice changed. I, I wanted to tell a different story. So... Since I've gotten older, I guess I would say I'm more into the journey of writing the song and telling the journey to the audience rather than like blast off. Here we go for an exciting show for the next hour and a half.
0: And touring wise, do you think that you enjoy it more now than you did then? How did how's that changed for you as as? you've evolved
1: well when you were setting up I asked you how many interviews you did um, a week or a month and you're like once once a week usually just to stay present and not have the same conversation and I think touring for me now is that before it was something that you just woke up in a different place all the time and now I have a it has a different meaning for me I, I show up prepared differently I can't wait to get on the road and I also can't wait to get home before the road was home. So, and also, you know, started touring overseas right before the pandemic, which I can't wait to start picking that up again in uh, 2024. So I look forward to that, seeing different countries, which I never had done prior to that pandemic tour.
0: How would you classify your music? Like what genre? And is there a a difference between what the audiences expect or want more of when you're overseas versus touring here
1: well i think overseas just saying i'm from over here is different they already have some preconceived notion of who this what they might see just like if i hear that someone from ireland is playing here i'm going with a i don't really even care if i know who they are or not i just know it's going to be different and i'm looking forward to it um That really doesn't answer your question though does it i'm not Uh, sure hey all
0: all answers are valid okay it's yeah it's uh that's fascinating though but for myself like
1: i can't wait i can't wait just for new stories just to write new songs about the different experiences that i have um traveling and now i get to do it with my wife ann which is even more exciting because she's along for the ride and will you know play shows for two or three days and then take two or three days and go explore the world.
0: That's super fun. That's kind of the best way to do it.
1: Yeah. And if she doesn't want to go, my friend Brad Huffman, who I play guitar with now all the time, he wants to go to Australia for uh, February, March. And I'm like, let's go. Let's just go. We can both work from home on the stuff we do. So no more excuses. Life is short.
0: Tell me a little bit about uh, your band, John Huffkin. I assume with, with Huff and, and Ken, Yeah, you're the two of the, the three <laughs> nice yeah and uh, Chadzilla
1: johnson is uh, the third so we just came up with that name on our last tour through the midwest we just thought it would be fun that people were gonna go see a a guy called john huffkin but it was really a band so in our head we had a whole storyline about how would that look if someone was like oh have you ever heard of john huffkin someone would be like oh yeah i've heard that guy before no it's not a guy man you don't know what you're talking about
0: it's like the Tame Impala of...
1: Yeah. <laughs> Before that, it would just be called like Dave Tampkin and Company because I never consistently played with the same people or some of my closest friends that I still play music with live in Chicago. Uh, drummer Brian Sansom is one of my closest friends. And it's just the lineup would change. But the lineup hasn't changed for a while. And it just didn't feel authentic to call it just my name. And nor did I want to. I wanted to be a part of a band. And... I, especially chad chad plays with quite a few groups brad has his own group uh called jababa that you have to check out Ananamonkey is the name of chad's band which i believe is anonamon com or maybe just Ananamon.com. i don't know you should check it out but it's awesome and i don't i think he wanted to be a part of another project too that he wasn't just hired to be a part of and not that i looked at it as hiring him But uh, I think with the name change, we're all showing up for the same reason.
0: Yeah, there's a sense of ownership and like collaboration.
1: Yes. And it's for everyone to see where I think that that ownership was there, but it wasn't presented outward because we were all writing songs together and adding our own flavor to each song anyway. It was just unfortunately my name (laughs) on it.
0: How does your songwriting process change solo? Versus writing with a group.
1: Solo, Annie DeFranco is one of my influences. And I love how she beats the crap out of her acoustic guitar. And it's inspired me for years. So when that was the question I didn't answer correctly last time. When You're like, how would you describe your music? <laughs> okay, we're back. Um, per- percussive acoustic rock was what someone called it one time and i'm like i'm just gonna stick with that but i love how percussive she plays so i think i do more of that solo and try to fill more space on my own um i loop as well and add different instrumentation to the song just on my own but with chad uh playing also keyboards and drum at the drums at the same time and brad being an unbelievable guitar player and also playing more mandolin and bass now uh I don't have to fill up all that space so it kind of leaves me open to express myself differently with the band
0: you released your album cedar after a five-year break what was going on in that break and how did it feel to come back to releasing music
1: i think the move was going on during that break from getting off the road and starting a new life out here in colorado it was scary Uh, I started teaching down in Castle Rock, which I hadn't done in years. I also started a marketing company with some friends of mine, which was also down in Castle Rock. So I was doing that drive quite a bit from Boulder back and forth. And I was just trying something new. Uh, I have a business uh, degree and background, so I wanted to explore that part of being creative in that way. I mean, I was doing it for so long just as a musician that I wanted to see if some of those techniques kind of worked in the corporate world, too. So that's that's what changed. What brought me back to music was just not really enjoying <laughs> probably teaching in the corporate world too much. Uh, I wasn't very, wasn't very good at it. I wasn't very good at managing people, I'd say. Uh, teaching, I really enjoyed the people that I got to work with, but being in a small room with uh, kids from different uh, school districts, there's a lot of germs that go around. And um, when you have four different school districts in one day, you find that you're sick quite a bit. So that was frustrating. So when I got married at uh, 36, Part of my gift to Anne was to not teach anymore so I could be healthy. And then right after that, I'd say another two years after that, I had enough with uh, the corporate stuff and just started playing music again and tried some other things.
0: What things transferred from corporate to music or vice versa? Uh
1: managing people did not transfer very well at all. I would ask people if they thought I was an a-hole a lot. And can I can we swear on this thing? I'll just say a hole.
0: Yeah. A hole. Whatever you want. Okay.
1: Like, oh well, am I an asshole? Yeah. And they'd be like, Well, why would you ask me that, Dave? Like you didn't do anything I asked you to do. So you must think I'm an asshole if you didn't get your work done which i found out that's not the way to go about it when um in being a musician i didn't know any other way you have to show up to the show you have to know your material there's no playing solitaire when you have time off um unless you have your work done so i found that my work ethic didn't transfer over to the corporate world and there was a whole different way of doing things not to say they were right or wrong but obviously I didn't handle them the right way so that's one thing that didn't transfer so well I guess
0: well I imagine too you have to be very direct in your communication as a musician and so you know in that case yeah showing up being like am I an asshole your bandmates can be like yeah or no and then you move on and you figure it out and that's that's just how things get done
1: absolutely and Brad will be the first one to tell me (laughs) he definitely will (laughs) and sometimes I have a problem where I just expect people to read my mind and I found out that that's not true either they can't they can't read my mind so I'll start stories or questions halfway through because I've already started it in my head and Pat'll be like you're doing it again I have no clue what you're talking about Um, but it's great to have that trio because the three of us Don't let things linger. We can speak honestly with each other and we've been through it so many times with other bands or music relationships or just relationships in life that if you can't be honest with one another, what's the point of even hanging out in the first place?
0: So honesty, that's definitely a part of community. What other ways have you found that you've nurtured this community you've built here?
1: With my background being in business and in marketing, I find that if I have a conversation with a musician, that, oh, is that a burp? I think it was. That was a lot of coffee right there. Sorry, everybody. Let me take a sip over here. Lily, you better not edit this out. <laughs> this is real life, everybody. Uh, I want, like, my instinct is to help them with stuff that I wish probably someone would have showed me when I was. Um, in a situation where I could have used this information. So um, as far as like placing pixels for tracking uh, from Facebook to their website, uh, affiliate marketing, uh, just the way you can branch out with an email list and not only reach more people and own that information, rather than own them just on Instagram, that you can monetize that. How are you? Don't have enough money for merch? Well, let's build a site where they're one-offs. So they send it to like Teespring, and you can start to make money. Where then you could take that money, buy merch with it. So it's not there's not one way of doing everything. So I think that's the way I tend to try to nurture this community. And from that, my friend uh, Chris Webb, he teaches a lot of music over at CU Denver, we started a podcast called Musician's Tip Jar. So we've already done 70 episodes. We're interviewing like people like Derek Severus who started CD Baby and we're trying to teach musicians how to better watch, how to better watch, how to watch their finances in a better way. And we don't have all the answers, but we thought we can get better at it by interviewing people that knew more than we did. So we're not placing ourselves in a situation where, like, listen to us, this is what you should do, because we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. But if you want to make a music career possible, you have to watch those things. It's a business. And if you forget about that stuff, you're going to end up as a struggling musician. And when you tell someone, I'm a musician... And then they ask, well, what else do you do? Or what's plan B? I want to eliminate that question. You're a musician. How fortunate are you that you get to be creative for a living? That should be the answer. And I think that's how I try to enrich my music community by helping them out in that way.
0: I think that's incredible. I mean, that's the hardest part of making any kind of art is how do you monetize it? How do you think about the business side of it. What is one of the biggest takeaways from your 70 episodes so far that you can share to get people into? Go check out the other episodes.
1: I I would say budgeting for sure. I would say know what's coming in and what's going out as far as money is concerned. And if you don't want to make money get in the way of your art, then find something that you can do For X amount of hours a day that frees up your mind to make some dollar bills, bring it back, and then just make art for the sake of making art. But let's not complain about it. Let's do something about it and come together. And if you can create a website, talk to your friends and make them for your musician friends. You're still doing something in the music community or teach lessons, but only do it three hours, you know, four days a week but you're still in the music business. So diversifying your income would be the takeaway that I would say in order to have a long-lasting career. And no one ever has to know your name. If you want to be famous, that's something else too. But if you want to create every day and show up to be around musicians that you care about and inspire you, that's a goal too. And make a living doing that.
0: A noble goal. I think that's people get caught up in that fame chase and it's so unrealistic from what I've heard talking to musicians on the show in my own experience is that that's one of the surefire ways that you can be disappointed in and give up making your creative life because you know you're not like on a magazine but there is so many other ways to be fulfilled and maintain that creativity and that's really like the most important thing I think and uh, so go check out their other podcast. We'll link it in the show notes. It's That's one free tip. <laughs> and the rest you got you to gotta work for. So like I said, I saw you at the, the Biff Singer-Songwriter Showcase and I was really blown away by the way that you told stories, not just in your songwriting, but in between those moments. It's such a, a gift and it's something that really... I think connects you with the audience, and from what I saw, you really like had them in your pocket, and were laughing with you and thinking about their own lives. What is that raw experience like? Like, how do you cultivate it? Is it something that just comes naturally to you, or is it something you think about, like a like a stand up comic making notes?
1: That's what he does. <laughs> Stop trying to be a stand up comic. Uh, Those stories do come to me like, say, songs would. So I do write them down sometimes. I try them out differently, try to make them shorter. But they're honest, so they really happen to me. And I want to check in with the audience in a way. I don't want to go from song to song to song. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I just want to check in. I want to have that conversation. And sometimes... Uh, I don't want to say putting yourself down, but I am putting myself down on stage, uh, sometimes breaks down the wall that uh, I'm no different than you. I'm just showing up differently today than you. That's it. And hopefully you can just either sit back and enjoy or stand up and dance or connect differently. The pressure is not on you, but I am going to check in with you to see um, how I'm doing and what, the temperature is so hopefully I can gauge that to change my presentation in a way that I can capture you back into the next song.
0: What has been the experience like now back in music? What are you working on next and where are you thinking that you're going to pull new stories from?
1: Well, traveling, like I said earlier, will hopefully create some of those, uh, stories. After the pandemic, or I guess I would say during the pandemic, those stories were few and far between. You're, you know, everyone was kind of just stuck at home. And when it takes a while to get out of that routine, you get put in that routine for almost two years. So right now, music for me is getting out more. Um, my friend Megan Burt has a songwriting circle that she does, uh, you know, once a month. I'm trying to show up to that more often and I know quite a few musicians that do it's very intimidating by the way especially it takes me like a hundred times to get a song down and her rules are you have to have written it in the last month which doesn't give me enough time to present it the way I want to especially amongst your peers that are I'm also a fan of you know so that's hard but uh yeah hopefully just doing more of that will present some more stories that I can show people how embarrassed I was in certain situations and make an ass out of myself.
0: Very relatable. I think everybody, we're, we're all there post-pandemic. I, it's, <laughs> it's like, how do I be a person again? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I can't. I'm not yes. a human being. I'm just <laughs> like this blob of flesh. Um. Did, what is... Oh, did did you find that
1: like with... Uh, maybe not so much interviews, but even having conversations with people that when you don't have conversations with people for so long, especially in person where like, I'm looking you in the eye right now, which took me a while to even get there, you know, from the beginning of this conversation.
0: That is, is, I was just going to say that was probably one of the biggest things for me was I have had to force myself to look people in the eye, um, which is a very... Uh, It's a difficult thing to do to actually. I'm going to
1: look away while you're telling the story. Yeah, please. I'm looking into the corner.
0: Actually, it's it's too much. I need a screen in between us. (laughs) Um, Yeah. No. I. It was a humbling experience, and um, gosh, yeah, it was so difficult just to get back into the swing of things and um, get back into going to shows and being like in a big group of people, dealing with anxiety and. Um, really having to acknowledge like, wow, I didn't realize how much fear I was carrying around just being with somebody that's, you know, like outside your bubble or, uh, I mean, even that was like, I had a bubble of like three people. So then it was like the whole world is germ buckets.
1: Yeah. Um, and you get real comfortable around those three people. Exactly. So, so then- you do
0: some weird stuff <laughs> and then you realize, oh my God, am I an absolute sh- just weirdo, bizarro person? Um, but I guess in that sense too it's great because you you can be like yeah actually I am a weird person and this is who I am. I'm now bringing this back out into the world. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> it's going to get weird. <laughs> um but yeah, it's uh I mean just I mean who could expect? I don't know. It's still it's crazy that it that's that's kind of like our whole it's like uh yeah, our our like 80 BC, mm-hmm. you know. Um
1: and then having to perform in front of that like say what even what you're doing right now you have to show up and then execute what you had planned to execute it's a whole different dynamic it's not even just the social aspect of going out and talking to new people it's doing that plus meeting people setting up sound engineer photographer now an audience i mean i would i started getting dizzy and then you don't want to come across like an ass when you're meeting someone new or standoffish or <laughs> that you're weird and you're like, I'm sp- like, I'm spinning right now. I'm trying to look you in the eye, but really I just want to go home.
0: Yeah. Internally, like yeah. my, I'm in like just total fr- like computer freeze, the, the rainbow ball wheel yeah. is just like, it's <laughs> <laughs> ever spinning. Yeah. That's I'm not it's alone bizarre. No, no. Yeah. No, Thank no. I, I think we're all there. It. And um, that's the cool thing, too, about getting back into shows. And I think what I, I admire a lot about your performance was that you were able to break down that barrier and, and people then can break down their own barriers and then we're having a connection moment. It's That's what it's all about, like making art. That's all you could hope for is that you learn, hey, I'm not alone here. Yeah. That's an amazing thing.
1: Well, I'm glad it came across that way because I black out quite a bit when I'm talking. So it's just... <laughs> This is like, I know it has to be done. So I'm going to say some words. Hopefully it comes together at the end. But thank you.
0: What has been your biggest struggle and your biggest triumph in your music career thus far? I'll
1: start with struggle. I have a hard time showing up for myself to complete songs. I have notebooks and ideas and all of those things, but I have imposter syndrome quite a bit and the idea of finishing Mm -hmm. something and not shipping it it's Seth Godin i'm a big fan of him if you haven't uh, heard of Seth Godin he's a great marketer you should check him out he has a a newsletter that he writes once a day which is hard to do you know i should say every day not once a day once a day no because those (laughs) other ones that do twice or three times a day
0: that's insane i mean i can barely Like, sometimes I can barely send an email, honestly. Yeah,
1: I, I understand your pain. And his whole philosophy is, you know, ship it. You know, get it done. Get it out to the world. And it doesn't exist until you do. But I won't be judged until I do. So it's a lot easier to not be judged constantly and have a whole bunch of ideas and a whole bunch of songs and not ship them to the world. So that is a struggle for me, which... Hopefully, you know, the end of this year, which the help of Brad and Chad will bring that out of me. And I don't want to stop playing music with them. But I know that will happen if I don't show up for my friends and get things done. So that is a fear of mine. And it's just enough to make me do what I need to do. A triumph, I would say, realizing everything I just said in the last minute. That That's wow. something new for me yeah. in this last... Um, I, I don't uh I don't talk about it much, but when you walked in there's a big ice tub outside in my yard. It's filled with water and I go in it every day for almost ten minutes. And it's there's it's thirty-three degrees. And I started it a year ago and I thought if I can do something unpleasant for myself every day that is good for me, that maybe I can show up for my music in a way that this unpleasant feeling of being judged for something, but if I could just finish it, and I think I'm just getting to that now, and realize that within, I'd say, the last six months or so, so.
0: That's huge. I mean, the feeling of discomfort. I think uh, I was just talking to someone, and you know, they they said, you know, how I make decisions is I ask myself even if it's scary even if I feel uncomfortable is it expansive or am I constricting and I feel like there's no better way to learn that probably than in an ice bucket yeah (laughs) that's true
1: and I'm small enough to fit in an ice bucket so
0: (laughs) what do you think that the Colorado scene needs more of and what do you think that it's been doing successfully
1: well I don't think I can say what they need more of because I'm still trying to learn from the Denver scene. It has treated me um, very kindly. I love going to more shows here than I probably do play shows here. Um, Something like Sonic Guild that presents bands with an opportunity to play out more or complete their songs and provide more shows, I've been going to more of those. So there's a lot of nonprofits here that do a great job of supporting the music community in Denver. And if anything, they excel at it more than any place I've lived, more than Chicago, in my opinion. So I really enjoy that. And um, I wouldn't say what, I I don't think I could intelligently say what they need to improve on because I just don't know enough. And hopefully um, Denver gives me an opportunity to learn more of what they do in the community and how I can help the community with what i have to offer
0: what is your experience booking shows here in colorado like how does the process work walk us through kind of your your mindset of okay now i'm gonna go play live
1: okay so there's two kinds of shows and especially uh we talk a lot about this um on our podcast there's one to make money and then there's one to do your performance uh you're going to show up to play music for three hours, that's a completely different beast than it is to present a 45-minute set. So I divide them. I don't want to oversaturate the market by playing too many 45-minute sets where I'm asking someone to buy a ticket to in one month. So if I can put three weeks between every show within, say, a 10, 20-mile radius, I think that's a smart thing to do as a musician. Those other gigs that I'm looking to make some money, I also want to use it as good practice time. I feel like it should be a performance, so I am going there to perform. Whether I'm background music or not is not always up to me, but I'll try to not be background music. That's a pretty, um, there's lots of bars and pubs and breweries that offer that kind of experience for musicians to come and play. The pay, in Colorado is awesome as far as ticketed shows. I think every venue takes care of those musicians really well. The three-hour gigs pay the same as they did in 1995 and that is a problem. I think that this is one of the oldest professions in history and why is it behind the curve in what a musician needs to do to pay their bills, to have a family, to do the things that everyone who's coming to watch them and be entertained by, they're only getting paid 150 to 250 for three hours worth of music, and the place is packed. It just doesn't make sense to me. So they can do music less, not every night of the week, and do it three nights, and just like you would raise money for marketing. Or why the way you consume music right now, how many artists do you have on a playlist, say from your drive down from Fort Collins to here?
0: Uh, I have about 1400 songs on a on a, like a liked and like playlist.
1: genre wise would you say
0: everywhere everything okay
1: so that model is what is happening in everybody's life so how long am I gonna sit at a pub to listen to one musician with a guitar for for three hours it's people have a style they have a what that's what makes them unique in 45 minutes. Or if I'm going to Red Rocks for an hour and a half set. Awesome. But I've never heard this person in three hours. So then now they better play some covers. So then, okay, so that's familiar to me. But if you have 1400 songs in your playlist, playing covers, isn't the same like it was in 1995 or 2000, where you can roll through all the nineties songs, all the eighties songs. In from 2010 to now, you've had so many songs you've fallen in love with, but none that you're like, oh, that song? Like, what are the odds that some musician's going to play one of those songs? They're very slim. So maybe book three artists in one night and do it three, you know, and even if you paid them less... A musician will show up for 100 bucks to play 45 minutes rather than 250 to play three hours, get there an hour beforehand, take the load up all their gear, get done, drive home. I mean, you're looking at five hours for a three hour gig for less than 50 bucks an hour. It's crazy. And you know how many hours of practice it took for them to come and guts? Yeah. (laughs) You know, just to. And gear. And gear. Yeah, all of that. So don't get me started. I'm already getting frustrated. Everyone, my cheeks are turning red.
0: No, it's a big problem. And I think that's something that, uh, why I like working with Sonic Guild Colorado so much and the Sonic Guild nonprofit in general is because they also feel the same way. And are so have, we're so frustrated to see that and really understand how much it takes. I mean, three hours of work is like 10 years of experience and getting the gear and finding your sound and writing the songs and yeah. then recording the songs, which is a whole other pay cost on top of everything else so that people can hear them and then say, Oh, I want to, Oh, I've heard this. I'll go see the show. Yeah. Um, so it,
1: even if it's a show, I mean, they might have the game on right next to the, right. With and the then I imagine every time TVs, there's a touchdown, I guess they're screaming for me. They're screaming for me. Just close your eyes. They're screaming for me. Uh, Sonic Guild, I listened in on, you know, they have like a Zoom board meeting. And it was just so refreshing to see everyone in the room talk about how they could raise more money to give back to musicians. And that's where all their hearts were. It was really just an honor to be a part of that conversation. Just To say, hey, I can help in this way if you need it. Even some ways I said I could help that I still have not been able to follow through with just because of phone calls or emails. Um, I just having that one conversation in my head with them and seeing how much they cared makes me not want to stop to get that done. So they're fantastic.
0: What advice do you have to artists who are just starting out with your perspective from being in in the music industry for such a long time?
1: I would say grab, find a way to grab everyone's email and phone number. Own that information. You make a fan, ask them for their email. Ask them for their phone number. Hey, I'll only text you once a month with everything that's coming up. Would you be interested in supporting my journey? Talk to people. It's one fan at a time. And as long as you own that relationship, you can have a career for as long as you want and continue to write songs. And every time you feel like an imposter, tell yourself just to write the songs anyway and show up for those people. Because if they're going to show up for you, um, you, you owe own that. You know, that relationship, like a friendship, would you, if someone showed up for you and then after a while you're like, eh, would you expect them to come to your shows? If you're like, oh, I haven't done anything for them. I haven't given them any creativity, have not made them smile, haven't reached out with something new, that relationship fades. And especially if someone owns the way you guys communicate. So if it's only on Instagram, if Instagram goes away, you're you're screwed now. I'm going to date myself right now. Like at the time, 32,000 fans was a lot on MySpace. And it went away one day. We all had to start over and had to start capturing. And that can still happen with what you're seeing from even Facebook. People that didn't think, who's on Facebook? People that are in their 30s and 40s. That's it. And now it's Instagram. And what's coming next? TikTok. So if you're 40 and you're like, eh, I don't want to get into TikTok. Well, TikTok, time's the ticking. You better hurry up and do it because there's a whole generation that they're really never going to hear any of what you have to offer. And you have something to give them. In my opinion.
0: (laughs) Great advice. Amazing advice. What's coming next? Where can people find your current music, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Oh, Lily, I'll tell you how they can get a hold of me. Uh, check out dave Everything with an at symbol followed by Dave tamkin would be cool too. And uh, yeah, new music coming out hopefully by the end of the year. Uh, some great songs with Brad and Chad. They call themselves the ad agency, which uh, took me at least six months to figure out why they were calling themselves that and totally went over my head. But uh yeah. That's uh please Spotify too. Follow. Got some new videos up there. That took me I don't know 2 hours for what? 5 seconds? What's that spin? That loop 5 seconds? Oh
0: man, yeah. It's yeah. brutal.
1: Yeah. But how fun would it be to have new loops like every month? Pretty cool. Cuz then mean, people would just show up for the loops like
0: or you I, could I, tell I a little story through the loops every month that then if they noticed oh my gosh wait this is can
1: i t- can i take that Please idea take it yeah. okay because i'm not going to tell people about this no it's okay then it's okay it's just yeah this that's is the my other... idea yeah <laughs> okay well but... everyone what i'm going to do is take the loops of video and tell a story with it completely my own idea and coming to you soon
0: check it out dave tamkin <laughs> on spotify <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for making the time. This has been an amazing conversation.
1: Thank you for driving all the way from Fort Collins. It's crazy. But it was a beautiful day for it. It was a beautiful
0: day. There's cookies, there's dogs, and so much great information.
1: Now, cookies, gluten-free or vegan?
0: I'll eat any sugar. Okay. If it's... it's, (laughs) I'm not picky. Okay. Because,
1: you know, I said I was going to have those, and then Anne brought those home. I'm like, do we have a vegan or gluten-free option? (laughs) And she goes, well... She's from Fort Collins, not Boulder. I'm like, all right, touche. Touche.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, slightly less on the on the food hippie scale.
1: Okay. Well I'll send you home with some (laughs) so you don't feel like you have to no. (laughs) Well, enjoy the rest of your day. It's been an absolute
0: pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast. Check out the links in our show notes to experience Dave Tamkin's music and podcast and to become a member of Sonic Guild Colorado.